0: We're starting to see attitudes change, and it is getting better because I think folks are starting to realize robots can take away some of those tasks that none of us want to do. None of us wants to be building pallets all day long in a warehouse. We don't want to be tending CNC machines where we're just putting metal in and then taking a finished part out all day long. Those are tasks that a robot can do, and folks are starting to realize that.
1: You're listening to Transform Talks, the podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, Business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. This week, my guest is Aaron Prather. Aaron is Director of Robotics and Autonomous Systems Program at ASTM, one of the world's largest and most established standards organizations. Prior to joining ASTM, Aaron spent almost 27 years working for FedEx. During his time there, he held various positions, including senior technical advisor. Now, Aaron is focused on helping the robotics industry to grow and expand through standardization, workforce development, and research efforts. In his current role, he works with researchers, manufacturers, integrators, and end users to develop support structures that speed up deployments. I'm so happy that we've managed to get someone like Aaron on the show. Not only does he have an extensive experience in supply chain, but he is also well versed in robotics and automation, a topic that I myself find fascinating. Automation is, of course, one of those contentious topics. On the one hand, proponents laud its ability to decrease costs and increase efficiency, whilst detractors point to harm it can cause to the workforce. With that in mind, I can't think of anyone better to discuss this topic with than Aaron, someone who believes that there can be a place for both. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to Transform Talks. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you for having me, Maria.
1: So, I want to ask you first and foremost: Have you been to Graceland? Because you said that you're in Memphis, Tennessee, so I need to know.
0: I have been to Graceland. I have checked that box as a as a Memphian, um, and it is something I I, I I recommend if you ever come to Memphis uh, to see uh, see what the king, how the king lived, and all all his life and definitely check that box and that's all <laughs> after after one visit you don't need to do more
1: i hear you i uh, i i don't think i've ever been to memphis maybe when i was a kid but not for but definitely it's definitely on my list of things that i want to do now i don't know if moving from elvis to robotics is where how we're going to do this but or w- what the link is but uh you have spent a career in technology, robotics, FedEx, some interesting things. I guess I'll start off with the question about the fact that robotics sometimes gets a bit of a bad rap, uh, or maybe people are a bit skeptical. So what's the biggest misunderstanding?
0: I think we do have a, a, a real misunderstanding, and it's when you look at it, it's sort of a, a Western kind of thing that you see this in. And, and it, the media really doesn't help... Uh, with movies like Terminator and Megan and all that really doesn't do a good job of not reinforcing some of those stereotypes around robotics. Uh, in Eastern cultures, we we see actually the media being very positive towards robotics and technology. And I think that might explain why you see countries like Korea and Singapore having many more robotics in their daily lives from work to their Going to the grocery store, you're more likely to run into a robot in Korea than you are in any other country. And flip side is, here in the West, we're sort of stuck in the mud. And I think it is a lot of folks are just sort of, what are robots? How are they going to be impacting my life? And it's we're starting to see attitudes change, and it is getting better. Because I think folks are starting to realize robots can take away some of those tasks that none of us want to do. None of us wants to be building pallets all day long in a warehouse. We don't want to be tending CNC machines where we're just putting metal in and then taking a finished part out all day long. Those are tasks that a robot can do. And folks are starting to realize that. And I think we just need to have more of those types of stories and fewer Terminator stories.
1: You know what? Hollywood has done robotics not a lot of favors. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I was at a conference a couple weeks ago, and they had a ro- robot. It was here in London, and they had a little robot, and everybody was just absolutely amazed that it could take selfies or take pictures of you. It could guide you to different locations. It was pretty cool, actually. But it's still like you say a bit. We're a bit stuck in the mud, you know. I mean, this is this is one of those things that if you go to Korea, I'm sure is quite commonplace. Whereas with us. Uh, There were a bunch of middle-aged people walking around going, oh, how exciting. Like it was some sort of uh, something out of, I don't know, Star Wars, Buck Rogers, if you're old enough. So how do we change that mentality?
0: Yeah, I I really do think it's going to come down to education. And actually showing folks these are not Terminators. These are not Megan killer bots that are going to come and get you. These are tools. And that's, at the end of the day, that is what a robot is. It is just another tool to help you advance whatever you're trying to advance. If I'm in a factory, I need the robots to do the low-hanging fruit tasks that wear folks down, drive people nuts, and make them quit. In on the service side, it's the same thing of we just need folks to be more comfortable seeing robots in their daily life. Uh, we're starting to see that in some restaurants where waiter robots are bringing food out. I think that's a good start. I think it's just going to take time, and it's a generational thing. I'm not going to put a lot of stock in trying to convert older generations to accept robots. It's, it's, it's not going to get us anywhere. But the younger kids coming up, and especially that they all know how to use their iPhones and Android phones, I think they're going to be more acceptable to, hey, this is another tool, just like my iPhone helps me do different things. This is just another tool in the physical world that'll help me do something else.
1: so let's let's move the robotic conversation over to manufacturing, supply chain. Um, a lot of what we do here in this podcast is talk about transformation, um, how businesses transform, whether it's digital transformation or or even like transformation from a whole business operating. Standards or business operating procedures, right? What do you think will happen for companies that don't embrace either automation, robotics, et cetera? What are we looking at here with that?
0: There was actually a study done by MIT uh, about a decade ago, and they were looking at the whole are are robots taking jobs. Very simple premise, and what they found is is yes. But the caveat was they are taking jobs from companies that don't automate. And how they, what they discovered is, is that companies in a sector started automating, adding robots, adding just automation to them. That allowed them to take on more work and take on more business, which added more jobs to them, while their competitors couldn't compete because they weren't automating to take on extra work. So they actually started having to lay people off because they didn't automate like their competitors did. And we just had a recent study that came out late last year from Notre Dame that sort of confirmed a lot of that. They sort of went through some new newer data and they were seeing very similar trend lines of the robots were actually creating jobs in the areas where the robots were being installed and they were taking jobs away from those companies that just weren't automated to keep up. And so I think that's our biggest thing that we need to convey to leadership in manufacturing and supply chain of don't be scared of robots taking jobs. If anything, they're going to help speed you up so that you can actually do more things. And I think that's the message we need to start conveying to, to everybody uh, from leadership all the way down to the, the floor.
1: I mean, I could be wrong, but I think it comes down to, from what we've been saying, sort of three things that cause the skepticism. One is this sort of doomsday scenario thing that, for some reason, we've been watching too many Terminator movies, Megan, what have you. Uh, The second thing is, they're after my jobs. You know, the the robots are going to come after my job. The third thing I want to talk about, which we kind of touched on, but not so much, is is the complexity or the cost of implementing robotics within an organization? Maybe some companies, whether they're large or small, think oh, I don't need it. You know, I, I don't need it, or it's too complex, too uh, disruptive to my business on a day-to-day basis. Um, would you say that those are the big three reasons why robotics there's ro- robotics hesitancy in here in the Western world? Are there more?
0: Yeah, I I, I think you really hit. It hit on a very key point is is there is the, the business case for robotics. And I think where folks stumble on that is they try and figure out, what is my ROI going to be? And ROI is very specific to each individual company of how fast can they do an ROI? How do they even calculate an ROI internally? Because each company has their own different metrics that they use. And I think also, there's a lack of information out there of you have different business models that you can use to implement robotics. You can do the traditional CapEx, which scares a lot of folks because that is a lot of money sometimes up front, but also getting folks to understand robots as a service. That is now a, a business model that can be offered to you where you pretty much lease your robots on a month month basis, which gives you a lot of flexibility where you can actually ramp up as your as your business grows, or you have if you're one of those businesses that have a peak season, you can ramp up and then ramp back down. And you can actually figure those things in. So yeah, I think there's some of the hesitancy on the business side is not knowing, well, how am I going to pay for this? And what is my ROI? And I think the industry the, the manufacturer of robotics, the integrators of robotics, probably need to do a much better job of conveying all these different pathways to getting robots into your facilities. And then going back to what we talked about earlier is how do you get some of those other psychological barriers past? That's mindset, that's, yeah. yeah, mindset the mindsets, issues.
1: cultural issues. Yes,
0: those are going to be some other big challenges. I think we have to address as a whole. As but. Getting down to the business thing, I think we we need our sales and marketing folks in our industry to do a better job of bridging some of those ROI concerns and business decision concerns because there are those tools exist. It's just I don't think, I'm not seeing a lot of leaders knowing they have all those pathways available to them.
1: And do you think that um, there's sort of like a non quantifiable risk associated perhaps with like we talked, like you talked about that Notre Dame or MIT study with not having robotics within your organization. Maybe that's more work that needs to be done to assess the not so non, you know, the the, the risk associated with uh, not investing in the in these areas.
0: Yeah, I really do, and I think another thing that business leaders need to look at is they need they really need to walk their operation and start looking for what are those small tasks that are in my entire process that I could automate. Maybe it is just add a palletizing robot to the end of your line. That's going to free up a person. It's also going to take a person out of a a job that's probably wearing them out. They're probably having back pain. And that's a win. That's a first good step into the process because you're eliminating a task probably no one wants to do you're actually probably going to make your employees happy because they don't have to do that task anymore and now you've freed up that person to go do something else where you might need them because that's a task that you can't automate right now because the technology's not there, the process doesn't make sense yet but if you walk your line and really look for those low hanging fruits that's a great first step into how to get more involved in robotics and the companies I've seen do that kind of process where they like, hey, let's just automate this one task and see how it goes. And they see the success, then they're off. They're off and running with it.
1: You bring up two really good points here. And I think that sometimes organizations believe that they have to have a moonshot approach, right? An all or nothing, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to spend gazillions to try to automate and look like those big Com- you know companies that you see are on TV that are uh, got robots everywhere and then the second thing that you said which I think was very valuable and not just from a robotics perspective if you don't mind but from a just business process perspective or optimization process which is look through walking your line walking through your supply chain walking through your manufacturing process what can be automated and I think you're absolutely right if you can prototype that project as it were and 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 like you say, put some robotic palette in, if that's going to be the thing. You might free up more people. You might actually, let's even go down further. You might deliver better customer value, better customer service. You might be able to, to deliver faster, quick, you know what I mean? Cheaper, etc. So there's a load of other things that need to be taken into consideration. I really like that. Um, I want to shift the conversation a little bit briefly, sorry, because I know you spend a lot of time doing standards and standardization and uh that also might be something that people are worried about especially when you look at deep fake technology and chat gpt there's a lot of uncertainty and unknown and and, and fear around some new technology uh so where does the standardization fit in what does that work mean and and do and you've been doing it for what some time so please explain
0: yeah i mean standards sort of are lagging <laughs> uh and i'm i'm the first one to say that us uh, standards organizations uh, need to do a better job of that. And a lot of that is almost like what we just talked about. Get out there, talk to folks. I mean, literally find out what are they struggling with and what do they need help in. A lot of standards work right now has been focused on robot safety, which is great. And we're definitely growing that side. I will say for end users, when it comes to robots and safety, you really do need to know those standards that are out there because the regulatory agencies know them. Here in the the states, it's OSHA and the, the EU, it's it's uh the the EU Commission has their ISO standards around its uh, robot safety, so you need to know those because those are enforceable on you on you. I've been working a lot more on test performance standards for robotics to see is there ways to benchmark some of these these technologies so we have baselines of as we improve on them, how do we measure those improvements? If you don't have a standard to actually know where you're starting from, it's, it's hard to get into that. On the software side in cybersecurity, there are a lot of standards work happening. So we all have a, a standard framework that we all agree to that are the best practices that have been learned over time. So we can keep some of these technologies in the guardrails. Chat GPT and the the explosion in AI has caught a bunch of us off guard a little bit. Uh and there, but there is work starting. But I will say only way standards work is we have to have voices from the industry, from the manufacturers, the integrators, and the end users. So we know that we're building a consensus that everybody can agree to. And the great thing is, is right now the regulatory agencies are staying standing back a little bit on this because they want the industry to really come up with the answers of what what is the best practices. Because the last thing you want is a regulatory agency telling you what to do, because they're not the full experts. And so, if you're if you're interested in doing standards, reach out to us at ASTM or ISO or ANSI here in North America. there are There's a list a mile long. Whatever industry you are in, there is a standards organization that is probably attached to you. Make sure you know who they are and volunteer. I mean, we're always looking for more voices because that's how we make better standards.
1: Okay. Let's talk about which industries do you think are doing better with robotics these days? I mean, I'm not as involved in this as you are, but uh, off the top of my head, I would definitely probably say something. The automotive sector uh, is clearly some you know far ahead of everybody else. Who else is doing really well?
0: Yeah, I mean the automotive industry is so far ahead because they were the first. They they were the first out of the gate with robotics, and they they have decades of experience ahead of everybody else. I would say then after that you're getting more into other manufacturers, electrical manufacturer. Uh, Uh, component manufacturing is getting really good. Aerospace. Aerospace is is another big leader. I think they learned so much from the automotive industry that they were able to get a good start. And then after that, I would almost say that it's in logistics and warehousing. You're seeing a really good, I mean, I think Amazon and Locus and companies like Plus One are just doing some amazing things. Now, there's a lot more to do in logistics and all that, but the whole thing is is the templates have been set, and everyone knows what they need to go do. And there's so many warehouses that need to be automated. There's tons of, of run room. And then I would say actually some of the laggers I'm a little disappointed in right now are folks like food and beverage is, is there, not there. Uh, I think they, they got some work ahead of them, but there's a huge opportunity. Massive opportunity. And then the other two laggers, I would say, would be construction. We're seeing some good startups coming up through. There is so much to be done in construction, and I think the the shrinking labor pool is really going to force their hand on a lot of those. So I'd like to see some more in the food and beverage and construction, a lot more in agriculture, I think, do over time. But there is not going to be an industry that does not have robotics in it. Uh, going forward, and we just need to learn from each other. That's the other thing I would really stress is look at the other industries. you might actually have some answers to your problems that another industry figured out through another way. So just because you're like, oh, that's the logistics, I don't need to learn anything. No, trust me, you need to learn something from them
1: well that, that that's also a huge message that we have here in terms of collaboration between different industries, different sectors, right different different companies you're absolutely right. Even collaborating between startups and uh, established companies, Fortune 100 companies. I I totally hear you. I want to ask you about the future. And I'm not talking about, you know, what next Terminator movie is coming out. Uh but what does the future of robotics look like in industry?
0: There are going to be so many big events uh before we even close out this decade, I think. Uh there is there's been some great reporting showing some of the growth uh, sectors We're going to see more pick-and-place robots. Uh, Amazon recently just did a data dump of all of their uh, pick data that they're sharing with the world to actually accelerate that even more. Uh, So hats off to them for sharing that with the industry so more folks can actually leverage that technology. Uh, And I think as the technology continues to grow, I think exactly what you said. We're going to see more collaborations. We're going to see some very interesting team-ups in the future. We might see some more, some more robot companies merge, but I think we're going to see more partnerships. We're going to see some team-ups between vision companies and AI companies and physical robot companies of how do we now create new applications on the like humanoid robotics side. I think we still have a long way to go there. Humanoid robots are very hard. They get everyone's attention. And there's been some major breakthroughs, but I think we still have a long ways to go. I think we're going to see more fascination in how we're able to grasp different materials uh, and actually handle materials we never handled before with robotics is going to be the next big wave uh, because the ultimate ultimate thing is humanoid robotics are great. Waiter robots are great. The great mystery is still this. How do we, how do we reproduce the human hand? Because this is the greatest tool out there. And when robots can actually do what we do with this magical thing, that's when we're, it's all going to change. And we're getting closer and closer every day.
1: Well, the pace of change is just, exor- it's absolutely exponential. Last question. Will they make an Elvis robot?
0: Um, i I can actually say probably they are. Um, I think we're gonna see some really interesting things. Uh Disney, I know, is working on some amazing things on the robots. So who knows? Maybe one day you're gonna go to Disney World and don't have to worry about visiting the Hall of Presidents. The presidents are all gonna walk out and just start greeting everybody. So who knows?
1: I used to love the Hall of I used to love the Hall of Presidents when I was little, you know, it was the, the animatronics, they were really cool. So Thank you for your time, but before I let you go, I have one last question to ask you, which is what, the last question I ask all of my guests, and it's about a book. Is there any particular book, either personal or business, that has had an influence on your life, and why?
0: There are so many books that have influenced me, but I, I would say actually for this conversation, the book I would highly recommend right now that would be pertinent to to your audience is Chip Wars. Uh, it came out last year, and it talks about the semiconductor. Chip Wars, and it is it is a great book. It's it's an audio book, so if you don't have time to read something, get the audio version. But I think it really points out the transition we're seeing in the world after COVID of reshoring critical manufacturing back to home countries. Uh, regardless if you're here in North America or over in Europe, there's a huge push for that, and that book really lays out the importance of uh, nearshoring, the importance of a manufacturing base, a robotics base, an AI base each country needs to have. So I think that's a really good pertinent read right now is chip wars.
1: Well, Aaron, I wanna thank you for that. I'm gonna look it up and thank you so much for being here on Transform Talks. Thank you. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I do hope you gained some valuable insight from this week's episode. To stay up to date with the latest developments, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so now. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what the P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great week ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.